This audio fiction is recorded for an adult audience. It may contain scenes of explicit sex, violence and disturbing supernatural entities. Listener discretion is recommended. speak to you of the macabre, the cursed, the maligned, the malignant, the possessed, and the downright demonic. Bolt all doors, lock all windows. Are you alone? Are you sure? I suggest you check under the bed, carefully, twice, Did you check deep in the wardrobe, behind the clothes? Are you in bed yet? Did you turn off the lights? They will come soon. They will follow my voice. But it will also keep them at bay. Most of them. For some of you, there is no hope. You know who you are. Prepare to be whisked away to lands ancient and modern, familiar and far away. Prepare to question where fiction ends and fact begins. My name is DJ Swales. This is my horror and gothic horror audio fiction podcast. I'm the author of Baratanak, book one in my Fitzmarbury Witches series. The entire novel series came to me in a dream, waking me at 3am in a small bare writing room I'd rented in Bloomsbury, next door to Bob Marley's old apartment. In 2012, I gave up my London job, home, and mothballed all my worldly belongings to embark on eight nomadic years of travel, risking everything to chase my dream of becoming a writer. But my dream became an obsession. I wrote five million words of prose and hundreds of spontaneous poems in decaying cafes, dusty bookshops, and decrepit hotels. During these eight years, I journeyed from Istanbul to India, from Beverly Hills to Borneo, from St. Petersburg to Peru, but I published nothing until now. My only constant companion on my exhaustive travels in countless airports, bus terminals and railway stations was a large body-sized suitcase called Letitia. 
perhaps it was due to the circumstances of my birth in the midst of sectarian violence in Northern Ireland and my own family's trauma that during my years of transience I was inexplicably drawn to places with dark histories. Could it be because I have called so many brutally scarred locations home? Like Berlin, Singapore, Nicosia, Manila, Seoul, where my home and art studio burned to the ground, and the high plains of West Texas where I was left for dead, that I can somehow taste the residual, lingering misery of war, turmoil and grief. On this dark, blood-sodden earth, I have stood endlessly on the same soil, sand and stone where many people were extinguished before their time, often in the most grotesque of circumstances, suffering such injustices that their spirits cannot move on. <coughs> on the wind I heard the moans of trapped souls seeking lost loves. In countless holy places, the prayers of the forgotten faithful still soak every surface and flutter from the walls like the wings of ten thousand moths. My skin prickled as the spirits of the damned crowded closely around me. In my obsessive travels, I ran my hands over the ancient ruins of Baalbek. I stood in the halls of abandoned Armenian monasteries and churches in the shadow of Mount Ararat. I sought out the greatest of the trees, witnesses to all of man's crimes, placing my hands and ears to their gnarled trunks and gathering their leaves and fallen bark. I followed ghostly footprints in the snow that swirled beneath the cedars of Basho's beloved Koyasan. On the high road to Taos, I heard the ghosts of crying coyotes in an enchanted land once ruled by jaguars. In Goa, stained by the misery of the Inquisition, I dreamt of Nalanda. In Egypt, for so long my second home, I listened to midnight's moonlit silence in the Mamluk mosques of Cairo. I trailed my hands in the waters of the Mother Nile. I watched dust devils dance in the funerary desert temples of dead queens and pharaohs in Thebes. And I descended into the heart of great pyramids, and in tomb robber tunnels I was surrounded by the bones of noble corpses. I do not doubt that the magic, curses and broken dreams in each place left an indelible mark on my mind and soul. They have accumulated inside me. Did they infect me or empower me in their yearning to speak of their stories through the dust I inhaled and that still clings to me? But beware, concealed among the dead are other entities. They masquerade as ghosts or lonely spirits, emerging from cracks, crevices and unholy ruptures. In assorted disguises, they are not as they appear. Pray to your God that they will never reveal their true forms to you. In my journeys, I saw and was seen by many such creatures. They scented the paths I had travelled. I protected myself as best I could with talismans and prayers, I feel some of these spectres pursue me to this day, approaching me in nightmares and oblique shadows. It was only a matter of time before they began to influence my writing.
Welcome to episode 7 of Baratanak, A New Darkness at the World's Edge, book 1 of the Fitzmarbury Witches series. Police Report and Letter to the Damned Missing Persons File Royal Barbados Police Force Lower Roebuck Street, Bridgetown, Barbados. Case status, reference number, active, 020540 DPJ. Name of missing person, Declan Patrick James. Report date, 20th of January, 2017. Incident location, Le Papillon, Bathsheba. Report originator, Vanessa Short. Investigating officers, Iris Fenty and Sharon Cook. Tourist and writer, Declan Patrick James, DPJ, was reported missing by Vanessa Short, VS, owner and landlady of Le Papillon at 12.36pm on 20th of January 2017 after she went to check his electricity usage. During the prior week, she had complained of several unexplained electricity surges and power outages. On numerous occasions, when she had confronted DPJ about lights and fans being left on, he insisted he hadn't touched them. No explanation for these incidents has been found. Though rats had reportedly gnawed through local power lines, the house has backup generators. No further word has been heard from DPJ since the report was filed on the 20th of January. The author arrived in Barbados from London on 10th of December 2016 and was last seen at 10.30am 16th of January 2017 departing from Andromeda Gardens, Bathsheba, by foot, witnessed by the garden centre employee Lisa Marie, after writing in the garden cafe for two hours and ordering three drinks. His departure was also witnessed by six visiting tourists, Natalie Banks from Australia, Georgina Ho from UK, Indra Longfist from Malaysia, Lisa Labo from Russia, Valentina Ramotti from Italy, and Bill Kirst from the United States of America. Their contact details were sourced from the visitor book of Andromeda Gardens. The living room of Le Papillon suffered significant damage around the time of DPJ's disappearance. A heavy oversized sofa was smashed against the ceiling, wall and floor. Multiple persons would have been required to inflict such vandalism. Multiple pieces of wood and metal frame from the sofa were embedded in the living room ceiling below DPJ's bedroom. This remains inexplicable and ballistics are investigating. Significant force would have been required. The bedroom of DPJ at Le Papillon appears to have been the scene of a struggle. Multiple bloodstains on the floor and wall were mapped and logged. V.S. confirmed that the majority of DPJ's belongings are still in the house, 
These include, on the floor, assorted candles, crystals, twigs, pebbles and rocks. Hundreds of Japanese-style origami birds also found scattered beyond the bedroom window and in the garden below. One large black suitcase with the name Letitia painted along its side, containing clothes, shoes, etc. Several books relating to occult, magic and Barbados history. Dried fruit, pears, question mark. Seven figurines, one blue and white glass eye. Three carved wooden symbols since found to be of pagan Latvian origin. There were also a score of old maps and pages torn from unknown antique books. In the bedside drawer, one Polaroid camera and 15 developed Polaroid shots from around Le Papillon house and garden, and one Sony video camera yet to be processed by forensics. Several crystals, smooth pebbles, seashells and twigs Three figurines, one blue and white glass eye. On the bed, one Google Chrome laptop, one alphabet chart for two yet-to-be-identified languages, and one notepad with scrawled notes. There were no sheets, duvets, or pillows found on the bed. The computer appeared to have been recently used, as the timed lock, lock screen had not yet been triggered. Five minutes after police entered the room, it locked. In the bathroom, toothbrush, toiletries, essential oils of tea tree, jasmine and eucalyptus, and several bottles of homemade elderflower syrup. In the garden, the missing sheets, duvet and pillows were found scattered some distance from the bedroom window. The duvet was 30 feet up in an avocado tree. The pages of three notebooks had been ripped from their spines and scattered across the garden. Some were impaled on branches. Scores of Japanese-style origami birds were found matching those in the bedroom. A half-burned candle was found on the lawn. On the 25th of January 2017... Multiple files were extracted from the Google Chrome computer belonging to the missing writer, DPJ. These included letters, travel memoir, scores of poems and a dozen draft novels, including several under the series title Fitzmarbury Witches. In the most recently opened files, the attached Letter from the Damned was extracted, addressed to readers. The last edit was at exactly 05am on the morning of 18th of January 2017. Although the Irish passport of DPJ has not been located, there are no records of him departing Barbados by any port. Further details. Nationality, dual Irish-British, Place of birth, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Place of residence, Bloomsbury, London and Worcestershire. Ethnicity, White Irish. Age, 35. Height, 178 centimetres. Weight, 115 kilograms. Hair, light brown, blonde, 
eyes blue. Notable scars, appendectomy. Next of kin informed, yes, Mrs. Lorna G.B. James. Foreign liaison, Lee Pierce, Chief Superintendent, Overseas Missing Persons, Commonwealth Americas, New Scotland Yard, Westminster, London. Letter from the Damned Le Papillon Bathsheba, Barbados 18th of January, 2017 Dear reader, a word of warning before you proceed. This book has been presented as a work of fiction. I only wish life could be so simple. Described within is a series of unlikely events influenced by deeds and histories of the darkest kind. By their nature, they involve the oldest and most unclean corruption present in our world, oftentimes concealed beneath the veneer of everyday life. They are real, present, and of terrible revelation. One of the oldest proponents and modern-day minions of this dark sorcery and demonic bloodlust arrived on England's shores over 2,000 years ago as flesh, blood, and bone. Since then, by her cruelty and cunning, her nefarious hands have influenced many cataclysmic events through the ages, in England and beyond the British Isles. Though she still breathes, in one form or another, all trace of her humanity has been extinguished by the demonic influences that have long infected her body and mind. This mutated entity was once named capital E M space S H space 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 N period. I shall not here grant power to her original name, which in earnest I now worry at having repeated too often. For many human lifespans she has hidden her true form, and now, presenting herself as Emmeline, an outwardly innocuous elderly resident of Bloomsbury, she wanders the neighbourhood streets to which she has been involuntarily bound since the Great Fire of London in 1666. Raised by wise women to note shifting shadows, hang rowan sprigs over my doors, and sleep with my eyes beneath twigs of protective yarrow during my time in the districts of Bloomsbury, Fitzrovia and Marlebone, I have come to learn that the neighbourhoods comprise the rotten heart of Fitzmarbury, the most infamous of London's black magic territories, a place feared even among powerful pilgrims of darkness, as her domain. The area's thick veneer of colleges, Georgian squares and museums hide many secrets. The dark magic also finds voice in the hands of purely mortal agents, cutting merciless swathes through humanity. It is no coincidence that more innocent people have inexplicably disappeared off the damp, shadowy streets, alleys and squares of Fitzmarbury than anywhere in England. I write to you now, far from Fitzmarbury's tainted cobbles and tarmac. 
in an isolated refuge on the Atlantic coast of Barbados, a place I thought far from her evil eye and protected by a local magic as old as her own. But I fear that somehow she, her allies and the demonic familiar in whose unholy services she now lives, have pinpointed my presence here and have gathered powers to move against me. I first arrived in Bloomsbury in 2015, after four years of homelessness, drifting around the world as a nomad on the remnants of my life savings. It was there that I parked my suitcase next to Bob Marley's old apartment and continued with that essential writer's task of simply writing, words on pages, page after page. As my former flatmates Charlie and Sonoko can attest, the ghosts of countless writers also haunt Bloomsbury streets, many of their souls still trapped within its boundaries. The British-born men and women, all somehow drawn to Bloomsbury's flame, ranked among them Bram Stoker, Percy and Mary Shelley, Virginia Woolf, T.S. Eliot, George Orwell, D.H. Lawrence and Charles Dickens. Others from Ireland and across the world have included Sylvia Plath, Natsume Soiseki, Arthur Rambeau, Olaura Echiano, Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin. When I arrived, I was scarred enough in mind, heart and soul to sense the great shroud of evil that blanketed those tiled rooftops and leaf-strewn, strangled streets. The warren of dark tunnels that thread out from beneath Ridgemount Gardens and across Bloomsbury thundered like hollow arteries to hell beneath my feet. I sensed unseen entities flutter in the cold, lightless damp. On many occasions I felt cold breath upon my neck and invisible presences massed at my back. And on moonless nights, in shadows, where once stood the infamous slums of the rookery of St Giles, I saw dozens of devilish, goblin-like creatures that thrive under Bloomsbury, dragging themselves up from the sewers to scuttle through gutters, up walls and across rooftops. Before fleeing here to Bathsheba, I was close to several macabre events that transpired in Ridgemount Gardens in Bloomsbury. These include the disappearance of Alice Gum, a deeply troubled acquaintance and Las Vegas grifter, who for years had asserted every kind of dependency on me. I sense her stained soul aroused the hunger of unclean spirits that are rampant in the airs and soils of Fitzmarbury. During my exile here in Barbados, I have still not received word that the tragic girl is alive. In my heart I fear the worst karmic fate has befallen her. Where possible, I have done my best to document these events, either from my own experience or first-hand accounts of others, including my close friend and second-sighted flatmate, Sonoko Shimabara, a native of Kagoshima, Japan. But considering the supernatural nature of what took place, I also consulted individuals, either privileged or cursed enough to be versed in the forbidden arts, 
and familiar with the unfortunate and disturbing stories of those entities and mortals involved. Both these actions and the research I undertook at Atlantis and Treadwell's bookshops, Bloomsbury's encyclopedic sorcery repositories, have aided the draw of malignant attention upon me. I have discovered, after the fact, various dark threads that have wormed their way into my work, masquerading as benign inspiration. My skin often crawls under the gaze of the dark informants and familiars who are everywhere. Three times I have glimpsed the true form of capital E, M, space, S, H, space, 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 N, that most ancient and evil of witches. I saw her one night in Bedford Square, whilst returning from a seance among snowbound branches and illuminated by a solitary street lamp as if in some hellish Narnia. The second time, I spied her in the window of the derelict Cleveland Street workhouse, phantoms lined up behind her. And lastly, I saw her crouched behind a decaying tomb in Coram Fields. In those moments, I feel she somehow imprinted upon me. My books and their revelations of her evil are perhaps threats too great for her to tolerate. Until this loathsome wickedness is dispatched, I urge you not to cross the thresholds of Fitzmarbury. Please heed the content of these books as a warning and description of what pursues me. Here in Barbados, my final refuge, a malignant demonic presence has arrived to stalk me. From my first day I sense the ghosts and displaced presences that infest this island. I have now seen them. Past wrongs have soaked this island's soil in blood, pain and bitterness that centuries of rain and hurricanes cannot scour away. These past days a new, more intimate dread has seized me. There is something different. I feel it now at my very door, now as I type, a presence in a darkness far older than the island-bound spectres. As I type this to you now, I have barricaded myself in my bedroom, its boundaries protected by talismans and its air suffused by a miasma of protective oils and fumes. If you are reading this, then the worst has come to pass. Her creatures, her familiars, have found me here, far from Fitzmarbury, in my last hope of refuge. My survival must be doubted. The author, Declan P. James. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe. I must leave you now, but do not despair. If you listen to the next instalment, the curse cannot harm you, but you must believe. Now pull the blanket over your head and be quiet. You are not alone.